Alright, let's open our Bibles please to Psalm 77, 77th Psalm. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. We'll read these responsively. I'll read the first verse, we'll read the second verse together, and so on. Psalm 77 and verse 1. And shall we stand please for the reading of God's Word? Psalm 77 and verse 1. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and He gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night, and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever, and will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies, Selah? And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. And uh, this morning I want to speak to you on this subject. I will remember. I will remember. Uh, this is the theme of uh, Psalm 77. It's uh, repeated several times. I will remember. Let's pray. Father, we yield your spirit and pray for his help to preach and hear the word. Pray that you give us a good hearing. Help us to realize this applies to every one of us. And we pray that we would uh, lock it away in our memory bank, so to speak. If we don't need it now, someday we will. We pray that there be no unnecessary distractions. Help us to focus and study to show ourselves approved unto thee and rightly dividing the word of truth. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. I will remember. Uh, as I prayed, and I say often, you may, need, you may not need what I'm going to say right now in your life, but one thing is certain eventually you will. So I'd ask you to listen uh, very carefully. I preface the message by saying this. Techniques are very important in life. How you do something in an exact way, a structure or a technique. And in life, techniques are the secrets to success. You have to have the right Technique. Poor technique will end in failure. Right technique will end in uh, success. But you have to know the principle behind the technique. Why do you do the technique? What makes the technique work? So I've seen this in Christianity many times. Uh, examples in martial arts, for instance, you have techniques. But if you just do the technique, you're basically going through the motion. You need the principle. Amen. Why are you doing it? 
Why are you doing this technique? A golf swing, for instance. I'm sure we have a lot of golfers here. Um, that was sarcastic. Uh, your golf swing, you know, okay, your shot, your basketball shot, your jump shot, whatever it is. You have a technique the way you do it, but what's the principle behind it? Some people are just chunking it up. Most people are just chunking it up. Uh, fishing, your lures, your choices, different things, structure, depth, these types of things. We have techniques, but why do you do it? Uh, a business, same thing. You may have a business, but why do you do things a certain way? And then even like in a church promotion, you want to get people in a church, but what's the principle? There should be a, a principle behind the promotion. So in Christianity, we know that the secret to success is truth. The Word of God, John 8, 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So it's not just what to do, what to believe, but there's an underlying principle, why do we do these things? So if you get caught up, and I call it going through the motions, it really becomes just a militaristic, uh, just almost a religion for a lot of people. They go through certain things in their life, but they lack the underlying awareness, why are you doing it? You know, why are you here this morning? You just coming to church? Or do you know why you're coming to church? So this is the difference between success and failure. In Psalm 103, verse 7, the Bible says he made his ways known unto Moses, his acts uh, unto the children of Israel. So the children of Israel, they only saw what God did. They, and Moses was taught why God did what he did. So this is very significant. And Asaph, who wrote Psalm 77, he was battling and struggling at this time in his life. He was being afflicted. He was suffering greatly. God was not hearing his prayer. He was very solemn and depressed. He couldn't even sleep at night. He, he, he would stay up late at night. God wouldn't answer his prayer. He was very troubled. And you know, and if you're aware of what's going on in the world, you ought to be very, very troubled right now. Some of you have no idea what's going on and what's about to happen in this world. It's very, very troubling. And even when you cast your care upon Him, sometimes the comfort does not come immediately. And you have to keep on casting your care Amen. upon Him. So... We need to know what to do, but we need to know why we're doing it. We need to see what God does, but we need to know His ways behind what He does. And so a lot of people become, as we always say, disillusioned. They fall out. They compete or compare. They make an experiment with God for a period of time. They turn back in their heart because they can't understand why certain things are happening a certain way or why they feel a certain way in their life or they're getting overwhelmed or they're backed into a corner. So we must know the truth 
and in fully knowing the truth, you have the principles underlying that are invisible, which are visible to most people. So in the text, Asaph remembers, he said, I remember what I was told, that God wrought wonders in Egypt and set my forefathers free. He parted the Red Sea, led them through the wilderness with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They became wearied in the greatness of their way. And he brought all these plagues and then he fed them with the manna that fell from heaven and then he nourished them with the water that came from the rock and that rock was Christ. So most of them did not know why though. Oh, the way of God, the trials, the testings, the affliction, the persecution, the tribulation, the ways of God. And so a lot of people come into a church or a relationship with God. They're seeking God, but they have a preconceived notion. This is the way I think it'll work out. This is the way it should work out as I see it. And then there's all sorts of heretics out there like Joel Osteen preaching a, a name it, claim it, self-help type of a fake gospel preaching a fake Jesus Christ. That's not reality. The, life, the, the Bible says, uh, Job says, men that are born of women, his days are few and full of trouble. That's the real world. Life is full of trouble. You shouldn't live in a fantasy of something uh, that you want to happen or a perceived reality. You need to live in reality. So Israel, they saw the acts of God, but they didn't live by faith to know why God was allowing these things. So what did they do? They became selfish. They were introspective. It was all about them. They became spiritual narcissists, so to speak. They began to complain. They turned back in their heart. They looked back into Egypt. And in their hearts, they backslid, even turned on God's men that he used to lead them out of the slavery. And the reason is, they did not understand what God was doing. They only saw what was happening. They did not understand why it was happening. So in Psalm 77, Asaph, he's in a very troubled state of mind. You know, some of you can relate to this. Now, you might be troubled right now. You might be medium. You might be carefree right now. But you better listen because it's coming. Something's going to happen and life's very good when everybody's happy, everybody's healthy, you have plenty of money, you have no troubles, things are going well. But when, when you begin to be afflicted by the will of God and he allows these things to happen, you better learn what Asaph did. And, and the Bible says the things which were written beforehand were written for our learning. Right. We're supposed to learn from this. Amen. So Asaph very troubled and he cries out to God with his voice and he says I cried to God even unto God he, he mentions it twice but God didn't hear me 
And he, and he says, if, if you start looking at verse 2, he says, In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night. I ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. Now, if you haven't ever been there, it's coming. Your sore will run in the night. You'll be so troubled you can't sleep. Right. You'll be so sad, so bothered right. that, that you can't sleep. And what does he do? Verse 3, I remembered God. Amen. Notice that. I remembered God. But what happened? I was troubled in remembering God. And then he says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Selah. So it's a spiritual problem to where your heart is troubled and you can't sleep and your liver malfunctions and it zings out and it buzzes late into the night. You know when you're so tired and your body wants to go to bed but that's when your mind starts racing? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, hopefully. Uh, so then, he says, verse 4, Thou holdest mine eyes awake. In other words, God won't let you sleep. God's keeping your eyes open. And he says, I'm, I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. You know, a lot of times when you see somebody and they're not talking much, it's a pretty good evidence they're having a tough time. You know, why do you expect everybody to be on top side happy all the time when God might be allowing them to be inflicted at this time in their life? They don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I already talked to God about it. I'm waiting on God to hear my prayer. So then he says in verse 5, I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times so he's thinking about the past the way God moved when there were better times and then he says I call to remembrance my song in the night I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search so God is using this to cause you to search yourself to talk to yourself to listen to yourself your own spirit communes with you. And then, once you go through this process, the next thing that happens, he says it again, he asks, will the Lord cast off forever? Will He be favorable no more? Is His mercy clean gone forever? Does His promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And then he realized, he said, this is my infirmity. It seems like God forsook me. I don't feel the presence of God. I've prayed, I've sought God. He's letting me go through this very distressful time in my life. This is my infirmity. I accept it. Amen. And then he said, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. The years of the right hand Amen. of the Most High. So, this is here four times. I will remember, or the root word remembrance is in this psalm four times. And I want to point out there's a great misconception about remembrance. Many people believe that remembrance of the past works of God will bring the faith that brought those past works of God 
And then you'll see God do it again. And that's not what this is teaching. You're supposed to stir it up by way of remembrance. But this is what God is saying here, and don't miss it. When you remember the past work of God in your life, the miracles of God, that stirs up the literal work itself that God has already wrought in your life. And that work that God has already wrought in your life comes to power again in your life in the present time. You know, that old saying, what have you done for me lately? Some people always want something new to happen. They want a tingly sensation. The just shall live by faith. If God did something for you five years ago, God doesn't have to do it again. You're supposed to stir it up, and that brings that mighty work of God to power into the present tense. But you're going to have to realize, this is my infirmity. The just shall live by faith. So God does the work how many times? Christ died on the cross how many times? One time. But He ever liveth unto God. He died unto sin once. How many times did God bring the plagues on Egypt? One time. How many times did He part the Red Sea? One time. How many times did He part the Jordan River? One time. How many times did He defeat the enemies when Israel obeyed and drove out the heathen of the land and the giants? One time. How many times is God obligated to work certain miracles in my life and your life? One time. And you're supposed to stir it up Say, this is my infirmity. I'm going through a trial and affliction. I, this is my infirmity. But I will remember. I will put these things in remembrance. I will bring the past, the power of God, into the present by remembering. So in Brother James Sunday School, he talked about troubling is to stir it up. Uh, that's what this word... Uh, when you think about remembrance means stir it up. Arouse it. Awake fully. It means to collect one's faculties so that you're in your right mind. So you can think straight. All of us go through this. If you only base your life on what's happening at one time in your life and you, you try to judge every other event in your life by one event, whether it was good or bad, then you're not going to be in your right mind. You're going to be beside yourself. And, and at this time, Asaph, who's a very great man, he's going through struggles. All sorts of things are happening. The heathen are getting away with their sin and they're not being judged. It's raining on the heathen and it won't rain on God's people. Great things are happening to the pagans out there, but God's not seemingly working in the present in His people. So He's very, very afflicted by this. So what happens is, without remembrance, these things grow, they fall dormant in your life. They're still present, but they're dormant. And it's almost like atrophy sets in spiritual atrophy to where god's not moving the spirit's not powerful you're not walking in the spirit you're not meditating on the word you're not seeing god show up in your life in a mighty way 
because you're forgetting to remember and you're waiting on God to do it again when God already did it for you. It's very offensive to God, by the way. It grieves Him. It quenches Him when you expect God to do it again when He already did it. Right. You know, I, when you think about the power of God that sets you free, Amen. He sets you free. Amen. Stir it up. Remember it. Romans 13.11, I love that verse. Now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. This is the time. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. 1 Corinthians 15.34 Awake to righteousness and sin not. Ephesians 5.14 uh, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. You know, most people are sleepwalking. They're zombies. You know how zombies are so popular, the living dead, everybody's walking around wanting to eat flesh. They're carnivorous. They're dead, but they're not really dead. This is most people. Look how they walk into Walmart. It, it looks like a bunch of zombies. Look how the average Christian walks into church. They don't have a spring in their step, a smile on their face, a pep. They're, they're not in the spirit with the power of God. They have a bad attitude. And it's usually because at this time, Things aren't going that well. You know how it is. When you're trying to get your kids ready for church, Satan's going to attack. Something's going to go wrong. They're going to spit up, throw up, do something else. Uh, getting a bad attitude. If it hadn't happened yet, it's coming. It happened with our, our daughter all the time. Right at the most inopportune moment. You have to be above that. You have to rise up. You can't be uh, beat down by right here and now. And may, so maybe you are afflicted. Maybe God hasn't answered your prayer at, seemingly at the time. Maybe we are being persecuted, which we are. Maybe the whole world's falling apart right now, which it is. And you better buckle your seatbelt. It's about to get really, really rough. Mark it down. So we just sit around. I'll wait on God. No, I will remember and stir up what God's already done. And it doesn't mean God's going to do it again. It means the powerful work that God did. It's going to revive that word in the Amen. present tense. So I want us to look at the solution to this. There's four things uh, in Psalm 77 that Asaph uh, said that we should do. And we've already covered the first one, which is remember. Remember what God's done. Remember when God saved your soul. Remember when God gave you the victory. Remember when you first read the Bible and God gave you a great truth. Remember when you knocked on your first door and told somebody about how to go to heaven. Remember when God gave you a, a renewed spirit in your mind. Remember these things when you begin to see the difference between the world and the church and God, or God answered prayer worked a miracle, healed somebody, uh, defied all the odds. Amen. Remember, it's in there four times. Secondly, look at verse 12. Well, verse 11, I will remember, there it is, the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. He didn't say I'm remembering what he did today. 
That's not saying God's not going to do great things today or tomorrow or next week or next year. It's not saying that. He's saying when you're having a tough time now, you can't live in a fantasy about tomorrow. You've got to remember what He's already done. Number 2, verse 12. Meditate. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doing. So, first of all, you have to meditate. Now, remembering is one thing. Meditating is deeper, longer. You relive it. Remember, this is the word rumination, where like an animal with many stomachs swallows, chews on it, regurgitate, chews on it, swallows it, regurgitate. That's what a cow does, a deer. Any edible animal, according to Leviticus 11, has more than one stomach. You ruminate, you chew on it. You know, many times I'll say, let me think that over. Well, that's pretty, like Brother Gomez said, that's heavy. Heavy, brother, that's heavy. That's heavy. I'm going to chew on it. And some of say, I'm going to chew on that. Let me think that over. Let me contemplate. And you begin to, oh, I remember. I'm thinking it over. And just be still and quiet. Think it over. The next thing he says to do is talk about it. Talk. In verse 12. Now, most people talk before they remembered and they meditated and they almost always say the wrong thing. And you know who I'm talking about. They whine, complain, give a pity party, woe is me, uh, feel sorry for themselves, or they'll get angry and try to vent in all their frustration. Don't talk till you remember. Don't talk till you meditate on what you remember. Then you can talk about it. And then, you know, we got out pictures reasons. Hey, oh, I remember that. You remember that? Oh, and then things will start bringing back deeper underlying memories of the general memory. And then you'll, oh, I remember that. And then, oh, and then you'll think about that. Then you'll ruminate on that and think more deeply. And then lastly, look what he says to do in verse 13. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doeth wonders and hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. So what does he say? Verse 13. Thy way is in the sanctuary. What is the sanctuary? That's the assembly of the saints. That was in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. The assembly of the saints. We are here today. A called out assembly. The church. Good. You know, have you ever noticed how a lot of people when they get real depressed or going through trouble, they don't come to church? Yeah. Yeah. And then you'll say, why didn't you come to church? Well, I'm going through a rough time. Well, that's... That's the wrong thing to do. Right. You ought to show up Amen. all the time, but especially when you're going through a rough time. That's where God is going to do the work. And most people, though, they get so caught up because in, in what's happening right now. So I always use these illustrations. If, if you were to read one page of a book, one page, could you judge the whole? No, you could not. 
So many people, they'll look at one frame of a life or one instance or situation of a life and they don't take the time to remember what's really happening because they lack the wisdom, the discernment, the spiritual perception. To, to see God's in control, God's sovereign, he, He's providential, He is omnipotent, He loves me, he has, He's a God of foreknowledge, this is all part of His plan, I don't really like what's happening. I, if I was God, I wouldn't do it this way. I don't agree with it. But it's not about me. This is all about God. Right. So I trust in God. I'm not going to base my life on what's happening right now one page out of the book of my life. I'm going to remember what used to happen. I'm not talking about the good old days either. We're talking about when God worked miracles in your life changed the way you think, gave you victory, changed your mindset, your values, your priorities, your convictions. Remember it. It'll stir it up. So what does that mean? God expects us to constantly remember. Now, if everything was great every day of your life, you would never remember the works of old. You wouldn't. I mean, if you had plenty of money, nobody got sick, everything's hunky-dory, whatever that means. You're just having a great time, never suffer, no, no stress, no tribulation, no temptation, no persecution, no temptation to fear or dread. If, if it was great, you, you wouldn't need to think about what used to happen in the good old days. And I'm talking about the good old days of the power of God. So God allows these things. If, if Asaph had to go through this, how much more do I? How much more do you? And when you can't sleep at night and you're so troubled you don't even want to talk about it, and then you realize, this is my infirmity. I kind of like it. In a weird, in, in a spiritual way. What does it say? Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if any man lasts wisdom, let him ask of God, and give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Goes on to say that if you waver, you're double-minded. So this affliction is to cause us to rejoice in the sovereignty and the love of God that we trust Him even more when the good feeling goes away. Amen. You know, I know this is kind of a basic illustration. I'm almost through, but when I, when I got saved, you know, everybody gives you a, a powerful, uplifting, to, to get you going. He does. To give you power over the temptation of the old life and the old crowd. And, you know, we, we, we were listening to anybody we could find back then. On, there was good radio stations. And I, I would hear Oliver B. Green, who's a great evangelist. You ought to hear him sometime. And uh, I would listen to him. And uh, I'd go to Del, Del Smelmore, Smelmore College. Delmore, Delmore College. And uh, I, was, I was really on just 
I was really cranking in the Lord. And I never forgot it. I'm listening to Oliver B. Green, and I'm having to go to corporate finance, and I hated that class. And I get out of my car, and God left me. Now, you say, what? God will never leave you nor forsake you, but the feeling left. It was the most saddest, destitute, I can't explain it. And I'm walking to class and I'm thinking, well, where'd that feeling go? This is, I don't know if I, I don't like this. And uh, I remember I just sat through class and I hated it and I couldn't even take notes. And then I had to go to government and I hated that class. I, I never forgot that. Government. And uh, sitting there and, and I don't think the feeling came back for two weeks, two or three weeks. And I was all on my own. And you can only know what I'm talking about if you've experienced it. But we shouldn't live by feelings. We live by faith. But sometimes you got to live by duty. Like Brother House said, don't call, crawl, call in sick, crawl in sick. Just show up if you have to. Just show up. You don't always get a good feeling or things going right. Just do the right thing. The just shall live by faith. This is, what is the conclusion of the whole matter? The duty of man, fear God, keep His commandments. So, you think about it. What is it you're going through right now? Maybe some of us are just cruising along. Eh, it's going pretty good. Got a good job, make money, everybody's healthy. Well, maybe you're going through a trial right now. You're oppressed, suppressed, depressed. Just don't get oppressed the wrong way. Uh, you know, whatever you're going through, burnout, overburdened, stressed, you feel hemmed in, backed into a corner. This is just one part of your life. This isn't your life. It's one chapter, if you will, in the book of your life. What are we supposed to do? I will remember. I'm not going to base my life on how I feel when I get up in the morning or if I can sleep at night. I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High when God gave me the power to stand up at Roloff's funeral and I surrendered to preach. I remember that. I never forgot. I was facing the wall. I, I know where the chair was sitting. I know where the radio. I know everything about it. I will remember when we forsook all and went to Hiles Anderson College and became a Yankee. I don't know how. I can't believe I became a Yankee for years. And even, I wore a fedora with a London fog hat and I had a uh, cashmere scarf. I was a Yankee. I even wore galoshes. I can't believe it. Um, and, and Go to Michigan Avenue and Holman Avenue and go over there to, was it 126 or 26th and Pulaski? Go to Puerto Ricanville. See the real world. Go in there where the, where the real world is and you walk in under the heat lamp and it's a dead animal and the hair's still all over it. And they call that good eating. I think that was pig's feet or something. I don't know. Uh, but anyway. Um, if, if I'm having trouble or if God did that for me I don't need him to do anything now I can remember that the power showed up 
that will it will revive the work of God and the power of what He did back then. Amen. We don't need to sit around waiting on a new miracle all the time. We need to remember what He did and then we need to serve God and see Him do more miracles. God is not dead. He's immutable. It's impossible for Him to lie. All the promises in Him are yea. The just shall live by faith. So, I don't know what you're going through right now. Some of you are feeling really healthy. Some of you don't feel very good. Some of you have a lot of money. Some of you don't have very much. Some of you are looking really good. you got good prospects for the future. Some of you have no hope at all. I don't know. Whatever it is. If you don't need this now, one day you will. I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. All right, let's pray. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I'd ask that no one is leaving. I'd ask that no one is uh, looking around.